0: Hi, welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick, and I'm so glad you've joined us because today I'm going to introduce you to one of my dearest friends, Kathy Brown. We were roommates in college, and our almost 30-year friendship is such a blessing in my life. I'm excited for you to get to know her just because she's a phenomenal woman and friend, but she's also an ideal guest for this podcast because Kathy fights for joy in beautiful and inspiring ways. She is such an encouragement to me, and I know she will be for you too. Hi, Kath. Hi, Jode. Thanks for coming on my new podcast.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm so honored.
0: Well, excited for I you. really wanted you to be one of my first guests. Oh. I'm really excited to have you share. Thanks, Joe. So let's just um, have us, let's start by having you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay. Um, well, I live in New Jersey. Um, it's, I've been here for, uh, 23, 22, 23 years in this area, but I still have a little bit of a hard time, like saying that I'm from New Jersey, (laughs) even (laughs) though I've grown to really love it, but I grew up in the Midwest, Mm -hmm. went to school out there and then moved out here for graduate school and got married and stayed. So, um, so I live here with my husband of 22 years, Tucker, who you know, Mm -hmm. you were there when I met
0: that's right. and
1: uh, we have three kids who are teenagers, fourteen and fifteen, almost sixteen, and seventeen, and an awesome dog and um, and I'm a graduate student again, so back in school.
0: Awesome, which I'm so proud of you for, and it's been fun to walk on that journey with you and got good yeah. stuff ahead. yeah. Um, so Kathy and I met, um, we met when we got to Wheaton College almost 30 years ago, which I can't believe it's been almost 30 years.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't, I know. It's um, weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I've just been so grateful for our friendship, Kath, and um, you've just been just such an intentional friend and... We've walked through so many different seasons in life and just meeting when we were teenagers and then going through our 20s and our 30s and now our 40s. And Uh I've just been reflecting on how we've, you know, flown out to meet each other's babies. We've flown all over the country to see each other's homes and wherever we were living. And um, we've been intentional with girls weekends. And of course, you jumped on a plane to be here with me when Jackson died and then jumped back on a plane a few months later just to check on my heart and We've just been through a lot, and you have been such a good friend to me, and um, and what's neat, too, is how our friendship continues to just grow and deepen, and the way that we talk way more now than we I ever know. have um, over the yeah. years through our little yeah. favorite app, Voxer. I
1: love it. I love <laughs> it so much it's it's like the the next best thing to still being roomies.
0: <laughs> I agree. And if for those of you listening if you don't know what Voxer is and you have a friend that you wish you stayed in closer contact with, you need to check it out because it's just been an amazing tool for our friendship um these yeah. past and few Yeah, and you know years. the cool
1: thing is like um the group part of it because we've yes. been able to like loop in our other roommate and friend and yes. so it's kept us all kind of like in in the know around the major points of life and the minor points.
0: I agree. Too, I agree. Yeah, I love it. I, love I just part. feel way more connected with you guys. And so it's been a special, special way. And so, well, Kath, from the very start, you've been encouraging me with this podcast. I'm so mm-hmm. thankful that you've been excited with me and cheering me on. And oh,
1: I'm so proud of you.
0: As I um, said in the introduction, when I was introducing you, you've had to fight for joy through difficult situations and seasons in your life. And One of the most difficult things that you've had to walk through and continue to process, I know, is just the untimely death of your dear mom. So would you take just a couple minutes and share a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Um, Yeah, it's funny because the the story of it, I don't go back to all that often Mm -hmm. and have kind of realized even more recently as some of the training I've been doing, uh, how traumatic that event was beyond Mm. just the loss of a parent. But um, I was, I had just graduated from college, so I was 22, mm-hmm. um, and moved home and I was kind of, I thought I was going to go, um, mission field and then changed my mind about that after spending some time with one of the mission organizations, I was just in a real flux of like, I don't know what I'm doing next. So I was living at home, um, in see at the time with my parents. Waitressing, And it was actually a really neat summer of repairing mm. my relationship with my mom in, in some ways. I'd had a very rough adolescent t- time yeah. period with her, yeah. a lot of conflict and pretty typical, but felt really um, tumultuous to me. And I was really grateful to kind of get to a place of maturity to appreciate her and express that to her and mm. that fall. She went on a trip with my dad. Um, My dad worked for an aluminum company. And so he every now and then they had some different like partners around the world. And so he had these opportunities to travel and they went to uh, Paris and he had meetings, but she was kind of there just for fun. And then he was meant to travel on from there to one of their um, plants somewhere in Africa and she was coming home. And, um, I remember like her excitement around going on the trip and going actually I went shopping with her to help her get some clothes Mm. together. And I remember her saying at one point that she felt really puffy Mm. and she had struggled with her weight a lot. And I just kind of was like wanting to build her up and was like, Oh mom, you look great. Like Mm -hmm. in hindsight, I'm like, Oh yeah, maybe she did look puffy. Like maybe something was going on, but basically like she, what happened was in Paris, she was, flying home with another couple that had gone on the trip and she told them she wasn't feeling well that morning, but she really wanted to get home. And, um, she had a heart attack on flight, I guess, and got to Chicago from Paris. My dad was still, he had left Paris was heading to Africa. Um, so he was somewhere in the air when that all happened. And I was at home in Tennessee and waitress when and this was so long ago that literally a group of her friends showed up at my place of work I was like carrying plates Hmm. and had a phone number I needed to call for an emergency room in Chicago and be notified as the next of kin that she had died they had she had had this massive heart attack she had a conversation with a friend that she was with at the airport there they tried to get ambulances but before they could get to her, she had passed away. So I got the call and was alone. Like I, I, I didn't even grow up there. My family moved there when I was in college. And so I didn't really have a real connected community there. And Mm -hmm. I remember this one couple taking me home to my house to kind of get my, get collect a few things, call my family. So I called my, my mom's mom and her sister, called my brother and my sister. Mm. And, um, a couple of friends and Tucker and, and then I went and spent the night at this couple's home and I called Kath our other boxer friend. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, she literally, I think she stayed on the phone with me literally all night. I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I was afraid to like close my eyes. I just mm-hmm. couldn't take it all in. Mm-hmm. I went home first thing in the morning and Hadn't, hadn't, they still hadn't been able to get in touch with my dad, I think, so it was, like, that next morning when finally I got, like, a satellite call through his office that he had been notified, and he was on his way home, and um, and then I was waiting for, like, my sister was flying down, and Tucker came, but I was, like, home alone for most of that day. And just like waiting to get to the airport to pick people up so that they could come and be with me. And Mm -hmm. I I even remember like driving to the airport, being having weird visions of like a plane crashing across the highway, like just feeling like everybody is vulnerable. Everything's dropping Mm -hmm. out of the Mm -hmm. sky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's I mean, it's so it's been 25 years has it been 25? Yeah, years? it's yes. been
1: 25 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mean, obviously, um, having a traumatic event, like you said, it is a traumatic event, Kath, and just all the details of it. And, um, and it can't help but shape and, and change you, you know, being in your lower 20s, and totally just sending you down a different trage- trajectory in life of just from where you thought you would be and want to be to down a different path. And so how do you feel like, I mean, I know it's, it's kind of probably a hard question to figure out, but how do you feel like you're different because of losing your mom when you did? I mean, it's hard to even know what life would look like if she was still here, but how has it changed you?
1: Um, so I, you know, I was thinking about, I feel like over the years, it's looked different. So in the first, I'm going to say like the first, definitely the first 3 years like i i was not in a good place mm-hmm. in a lot of ways for mm-hmm. a long time i really um it's funny how you can lose the same person in a family and it affects everybody so differently sure. and yeah. every relationship so differently so even with my siblings who lost their mom we lost something different like i was i'm the youngest of three my brother was married and my sister was um already kind of like launched as an adult
0: mm-hmm. and they
1: were both actually living up in toronto canada and so me losing my mom like at that transition point was different I, so it's not worse it just was different yeah. and yeah. i spent those first 3 years just really in kind of a very dark place like mm-hmm. my faith I did not ever question, I had gone through a period of questioning my faith in a Christian God, you know, Mm -hmm. when I lost, um, a a very close cousin and I was younger and I tried to like fluff off my Christianity and be like, maybe there's another way. out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like spent a little bit of time exploring other options. I just never found anything that was satisfying. And, um, so I didn't go through a period when I lost my mom of questioning God's existence, but I just didn't feel close to him or loved by him.
0: Mm -hmm. And I didn't
1: want to talk to him. Like I was just like mad at him and was like, well, as if this is how it is, then that's how it is that we're not, we're not friends anymore, Mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. And
0: Mm -hmm. it was just
1: a very, and that's, so I just didn't feel like myself for those first three to five years, honestly. Mm -hmm. And after a year, I moved out to the East coast and I went to graduate school and everybody I met who was knew in my life, I felt like I was just a different person that they didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know who I was in that space, but I really appreciated people who knew me before I lost my mom because it was like, at least they knew I had another dimension to my personality that felt like it was either gone or not. I couldn't access it, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But, you know, then now this many years later, I feel like the ways that it has changed me is it it's grown me Mm -hmm. in, um, important ways. I think like, in, I think my faith and I think what happened to me when I didn't feel like my faith held me the way I expected it would was that it just showed me evidence of immaturity in my faith, like things that I didn't understand yet about God's character. Mm -hmm. I knew about it like theoretically, but I hadn't experienced what it means to have a God who has let the world kind of unravel in certain ways out of his patience and love and desire to, this is the way I reconcile it. Like, I feel like there are, he's, he's waiting to put some pieces back together because he's capturing as many hearts and souls as he can along the way. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. there. like, we've talked about, like there's Mm -hmm. so much brokenness Mm -hmm. because of that. And Mm we are, we're caught up in it you know, and we have this hope that at some point it's all gonna be made right. But I kind of knew what that went theoretically. I just had not experienced that pain. Yes. In in a personal way. And there's really like, just describe or prepare for it in right. some ways. And right. so my my understanding of who God was, his character deepened. And at first it was like, I couldn't deal with it. I didn't like it. And I Mm -hmm. couldn't get close to a God like that. I thought he was a much more cozy, warm, Mm
0: -hmm. soft
1: Mm -hmm. place than I experienced him.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, and then I realized if I really want to know God, like what I thought God was, was some sort of dim reflection of him. I was missing out on part of his mystery. And, and so I think what's changed me is I've gotten more comfortable with, uh, with like yeah, not knowing everything Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. learning to be okay with that. And I think my faith is deeper, not because I know more, but because I, I, I think I know less and I can Mm -hmm. accept more mystery and I can, I I don't have to make sense of everything to trust God.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think back then I thought, I thought I understood things and I thought, or if I didn't understand, eventually I would understand it. It was just like, climbing a rung of ladders and you learn how to trust here and you learn how to deal with like I'd had some struggles in life but nothing Mm -hmm. as hard as that and so I somehow had the impression I was on a trajectory of ever growing in knowledge and wisdom Mm -hmm. in a way that I could understand Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so losing my mom just like made me accept the world in a more realistic way, yeah. I guess ultimately it's grown resilience in me mm-hmm, to be able to deal with hard things yeah. and, and a tenderness. To, like mm-hmm. I can, I can empathize differently because I have had my own pain and, and loss and I know everybody's is different, but I, but I know at least something yeah. about what it feels like,
0: you know? Oh, yeah, and Kath, I see all of those things in you, and you, um, you do have such a big compassionate heart, and you're willing to jump in at great cost to yourself in the, you know, sufferings and difficulties of other people, and you've always done that. I mean, you did that for me and many other people in college too. I mean, you've just always jumped right in and and walked alongside of people um through great happy times and hard times but um I definitely have seen that in you too that um as you've worked through um the brokenness um of your mom dying it has um just given you a greater ability um to to love people well in the midst of their own Aww. hard stuff Extra. and um and that's a gift it's such a gift and it's you know, for me personally to have a friend that I knew would get it. And even though it's a different situation, a different scenario, a different person who died, um, I knew you wouldn't be afraid of, um, what a grieving friend would be like because you had been that grieving friend. And so, um, it is a real gift in friendship to have, um, someone who can, um, like I said, jump on a plane and be there and, Walk through all of the hard stuff, and then not um, not just carry on with life as normal, but to continue to stay engaged and check on um, on my grief and and talk about your grief and remind me that I'm not alone. And feeling like this world is broken and it's making me tired and weary. And um, yeah. would you say that you also got then a deeper understanding of what real joy looks like too? I mean, with this podcast called uh, Fighting for Joy. Um, would you say that when you wrestled through those first few years and now, you know, 25 years later, even, um, how has this affected just how you look at joy and how do you fight mm. for joy?
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I feel like I, when I, I don't, I don't feel like I was well equipped.
0: <laughs> like mm-hmm. I said, I was in
1: a really immature faith phase, which I would never have thought of at the time I was like born and raised in the church. You know? <laughs> like right, I right. thought I had it all.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and sometimes You just need to experience life in ways. So I feel like God rescued me from Mm, that. Like, mm. um, I really feel like I didn't know how to fight for joy at that time in my life. And I, I honestly, I think I was, I cried out to him a lot. I was on my knees a lot. I had a lot of anger. um, And it was part of the story, as you know, is that my dad, um, shortly after my mom died, started, um, began a relationship with her sister, Mm -hmm. my aunt who had never been married. Um, so I had some really complicated feelings that came really all around her, my mom's loss. And for a while and still it can be hard sometimes to pull apart what's grief, what's around what piece of all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. this many years later I can see, I see it differently. Mm -hmm. But at that time, um, I was so angry and hurt and, um, there were so many complicating things around it. And so fighting for joy, then I just don't think I was engaging in it in that way. And I look back and I see, I just see God doing the movement. I can't explain how he brought healing to my heart Mm. because I didn't know how to, Like I didn't know how to access resources. I didn't know how to do anything, but I, I, I just have like these supernatural, honestly, so hard to describe encounters with God, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: a few of them where I just know something changed inside of me in my heart that moved me towards a forgiveness in those relationships that I, that my heart needed, that God needed to, to. like it was his gift to me. And mm-hmm. and it required some humility on my part to admit some pride. Like he had to bring me to my knees about certain things where I was like, You're kidding me, you're gonna ask me to repent of things even now after you've taken my mom right, and yeah. I've got this mess over here. And and yet I needed to be able to forgive other people and and I needed to recognize in a different way how much I had been forgiven. It's hard to explain it. But mm-hmm. no, I'm so sense so yeah, that, so I, I relied on his complete grace
0: mm-hmm. initially mm-hmm.
1: and I didn't even know I was, but he just offered it to me. So that would be one thing I would just want to encourage people with is that even when your faith is weak and you're ill-equipped and you don't know how to fight for joy and you, the idea of fighting or picking up a weapon at all is like mm-hmm. too much, mm-hmm. that he is just the kind of God who, who reaches down and pulls us up and rescues us. Like I was in that place where all I could see was the, the wind and the storms and the waves rising. And I was going down and I just know that he reached down in the water and he pulled me up and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it wasn't because of anything I did. And so I wished it it felt like too long and it was too hard. And yet the rescue came Mm -hmm. and, and I do believe it's all, for a purpose, and I finally have accepted that I will never really fully understand why or mm-hmm. what the purposes all were, mm-hmm. but I can appreciate some of the the good that's come in my life as a result of needing him in that way and finding him
0: yeah.
1: to be that kind of God, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And then I would say, like, since then, in terms of the fight for joy and what joy looks like, um, you know, it, it's like you've described too. And I think even as I was listening to your, um, this morning, I was listening to your preview episode, oh, yeah. um, the way you talk about the difference of it, of like, what's the emotional happiness in a moment is the deeper current river of joy. I, I have got, I hope, I mean, I'm always like, what if another crisis is, am I gonna, I
0: know. will it
1: hold? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Right.
1: Um, but I do find contentment differently and I don't, I, I hope I'm not relying as much on circumstantial outside happiness. Mm-hmm. So joy for me is, feels more like peace mm-hmm. in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, an, and yeah. So I forget yeah. what the question was. How No, am that I is,
0: for it? no that's, that's it. I mean, yeah. And it I'm is, it, it is peace it's contentment it's um pressing on it's, in the midst yeah of... it's hope yes. it's not
1: it's not happy always yeah
0: yeah and Which so is... do you feel like um
1: but sometimes it's happy like that's the thing that I'm right. like so yes I'm so grateful for is that I do have a lot of happiness mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. and um those first few years I didn't have a lot mm-hmm. it was very out of balance and Mm-hmm. That was really, really, really hard mm-hmm. and also really normal. You know, yeah. I've learned a lot since then about grief and trauma. And I can look back and see, oh, I, yeah, I went through all of these stages and there's no way around it. Mm-hmm. You've got to go through it. And if you try to get around it, you're going to end up back at the beginning anyway. So, you know,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I, I, um, I just think it was just part of some of it was just part of the process. Yeah, um yeah. and some of it was just part of my own maturing and yeah. needing to grow.
0: And you know the happiness piece I think that is a just a practical way that we can fight for joy, right? Is letting happiness back in because yeah. there is a lot of fun to be had in this broken world still too, right? Like it's not That's right. There's a lot yeah. of you know God's common grace, you know, is poured out all around. We can see, you know, can see that all around, but just to let happiness back into desire, um, you know, these, these bright spots in the midst of, um, the darkness is just a practical way. I think that we can let that deeper seated contentment and peace and joy, um, be replanted or restored in our broken hearts. So it might sound kind of like a dumb question, but, um, do you like, so after all these years, um, I think there can be a temptation to believe, especially in the Christian world, that time heals all wounds, right? Or that we should Mm -hmm. be healed after a certain number of years. But do you feel like you're healed, you know, 25 years later? What does, what does healing look like to you? I mean, there is talk of God healing and helping and binding up our wounds. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of that is in the Bible. And so what does it look like for you? Do you still grieve? Do you feel healed? Um, How has your grief changed over the years? What are your thoughts Mm -hmm. on that?
1: Yeah, I my thoughts are that I do feel healed and I do feel um, like I still grieve. I think both things are true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, and the way, the picture that I've given that's really helped me a lot to think about it because I think if, if you think that you, that healing means you don't have pain, Mm -hmm. then it's scary when you have pain and you think something is wrong. And so the truth for me is that I still have I can still get shot through the heart. Like I lost her yesterday. Hmm. Like sometimes that still happens and it happens like, you know, just even just preparing to talk to you, reentering the story. I, it still hurts. It's still very painful. I'm teary. thinking about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But so that happens less frequently, less. Um, I don't get caught off guard in the same ways as much of the time, but it's, really hurts when it does happen. And then, and, and then on the predictable days of, you know, her birthday or mother's day or different things like mm-hmm, that. So, mm-hmm. so I still have pain and I do think I'm healed. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, in some of like the, um, trauma training things that I've been working towards, the way they talk about it is that it's a wound of the heart and, when wounds heal, there can be scars and so we're changed by it, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you're not healed. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's how I think about it. I think I I have received an enormous amount of healing. Mm -hmm. Um I may not be aware of things that will be revealed over time that I still need to address and God is still doing work on. And so I don't know if I'm fully healed or what, I know I'm on the path, you know? Yeah. Well, in Um, the preview
0: episode, you know, I mentioned that idea of living with the both and idea and you and I've talked a lot about that, Kath, and just, you know, the things, you know, things like faith is, is really helpful to us in grief. And yet faith doesn't make the loss hurt any less or feeling like God is with us, but I'm also experiencing a dark night of the soul, you know? And, yeah. and so I think that's yeah. what you're explaining is, is a both end of just definitely experiencing healing, definitely, um, you know, making progress and moving forward and finding joy and happiness, um, seeing God redeem and, um, and restore and make a beautiful story out of all of this mess. And, you still miss your mom and wish she was here and hate that she's missing out on all of this with your kids and, um, and it's complicated with your dad and your aunt, right. And your siblings grieve yeah. differently. And right. So,
1: right. And I'm glad my dad has her. You know what I mean? It's like, it's the weirdest thing. Yeah, yeah that for sure. It's for all sure. Of Both that. and. So, yep.
0: Both and. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> I do, I do feel healed and I do feel grief.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, both. And I think that's freeing for people to understand that. And that's one of the biggest messages I want to continue to talk about on this podcast, because I think we can get. Um, really limited when we try to put it into a box or, or pick either or. There's um, just a lot of freedom, and I think a lot of joy does come from realizing that it's all one big mess, and it's a both and, and um, we can have a lot of freedom in the midst of that. So what are some things, um, it can be in grief, but it can just be a normal life too, because I mean, obviously this is a big life-changing um, hard event that you have had to, to deal with and process throughout your life, but we also have other difficulties that hit us, um, constantly too. So what are some things that kind of rob you of joy or threaten to steal your joy? I mean, we can't avoid all the things that rob us of joy, but I think it is helpful to be aware of them and kind of, um, name them and work to fight even those.
1: Mm. Well, I, you know, I mean, I think two of the biggest things, and it's just a constant struggle for me, but like, so I I'm thinking more of things within my control.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm thinking sleep.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for <laughs> when sure. When I don't get
1: enough sleep and I'm not good at it, mm-hmm. I've always had a hard time falling asleep. I resist it. I like all night. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> when
1: I don't get enough sleep, like I just um so much more emotional. It it kind of grows over time. I can I can handle it pretty well for a couple of days, but if I'm going through a period of time where I'm not sleeping well, I Really struggle with just even the little things in life that can put mm-hmm. me out of balance. So, mm-hmm. just physical health, like just getting good exercise, getting good sleep. Those, if I'm not taking care of that, then a lot of things can have my joy. Yeah, and little things can. Yeah. And then the other piece I was thinking of is just a tendency I have towards, um, like I don't want to use uh, t- like this term, like I'm going to use it because I don't know what other term to use, but I have this tendency towards codependency mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of like, just, um, like defining myself by other people's mm-hmm. emotions and feelings. And so if people around me aren't doing well, that can rob me of my joy, yeah. but that's almost not fair. I, what I'm learning is like, that's not totally fair to that person. So it can make me angry with them for being in a bad place. Cause I don't want to go to a bad place. So I mm-hmm. need them to be in a good place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's like, for me, not fair to say to the person who's having a hard time, they're entitled to their own experience.
0: right? right. And
1: I need to like grow in a way that like that doesn't, mean i'm not okay myself yeah does that make sense
0: it does and so
1: like i have to learn some boundaries i'm still working out. i'm gonna yeah. work on this for the rest of
0: my life <laughs> well i would say you have a big heart kath i wouldn't say you're codependent but anyway oh, okay. you're well, working through it would say differently. <laughs> I, you do carry other people's burdens and that's a beautiful gift but i know it's weighty oh. as well so um, yeah, well, you've touched on it a couple of times. I want you to just share a little bit about what you are doing right now. Um, because when when people walk through you know something difficult, it can lead them down a totally new path in life or just redirect their time and energy kind of like this podcast is doing for me. So can you just share a little bit about how that's played out in your life and just um, what you're working on now?
1: Sure. I well, so it's funny because when I was in college, I was a psychology major. And I always felt like I wanted to move towards the clinical side of psychology, but I hadn't started down that path yet, but that was sort of my plan. And then when my mom died, I I spent like a year at home. I was working in a, like a runaway shelter for teenagers and a psychiatric hospital like low, low level, because you can't do anything with a bachelor's. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: When I lost my mom, I suddenly was like, I do not, I have zero capacity to listen to anybody about anything. Right. (laughs) right. Yes, of course. Like I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't hold it together myself. And I didn't have the, the bandwidth or the space to do that well. And so I kind of chickened out and moved into a side of the field that was a little bit more like research generic oriented. So my first master's degree, which was like, I ended up in that program because I just needed to do something and I wasn't qualified for anything else was very generic. And I ended up doing like, um, testing, like educational testing and things like that. And I shied away from the clinical side. And for a long time, I just felt like that loss of my mom derailed me from what my calling was. Cause like you said, I've always just felt like it's something that God wired into mm-hmm. me to want to be in close relationship with people, to walk beside people who are hurting or anybody, you know, like I just mm-hmm. felt very relational. And I feel like he gave me some gifts in that way that are just who I am. And then what if I could really do that with my life? Mm-hmm. And then I felt like I just, I didn't do it. I missed the boat, you know, I got married and then I started working and then I had kids and I've been home with kids for a long time and I'm loving it all and feeling like in many ways, all of that was putting joy back in, and purpose into my life and honoring my mom because I, mm-hmm. she valued our family. She valued motherhood. She valued me. Like she gave me all of these messages around that without saying it, but in the way she lived, I think for a lot of years, I was just trying to follow in her footsteps cause I couldn't talk to her anymore and I couldn't hear from her anymore, but this is what I witnessed. And so, you know, I, I was getting to a place of just feeling like wrestling with contentment around that. And as my kids were growing and I was having a little bit more space in my life, feeling like what's next is something next. Is it okay to want something next? And just felt like it was time for me to begin to return to what my passions mm-hmm. were early on. And finding myself like just this beautiful redemptive thread of like, wait, I don't think I missed, I don't think I missed it. I don't think hmm. I could have counseled well
0: mm-hmm.
1: at that stage of my life with the lack of understanding and experience that I had. And maybe I could have, people can, but, but I can do it better now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's, mm-hmm. I think God is using all of this to to give me the opportunity now to bring it all together into a way that will help others so I'm back in grad school I'm getting um uh it's called an EDS and it's like an advanced post master's degree in counseling I've done just some like lay training and trauma healing through um well like the sponsor group in this area is the American Bible Society um so I'm not exactly sure how it's gonna look I'm just praying that God will show me yeah. <laughs> as I continue to get equipped. I just felt the call to get equipped for whatever the next thing is. Cause I've been in positions where I'm like, I would really love to be able to help this people group or this organization, but I'm not qualified technically. And, um, I think it's important in many ways to, to be qualified in, in the areas of mental health care mm-hmm. before getting too far in, um, in some of the work I'd like to do. And so, so I'm in a period of preparation, I guess, right now.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm up to. Well, I love, I love that phrase, a beautiful redemptive thread, because that's that is what it looks like to the watching world too, Kath. I mean, this is such a privilege to um, to see this whole process take shape and to see how you're trusting and just taking one step at a time and. I'm just excited to see how how God will use this um, and use you, Kath. So I'm really proud of you. So, well, it is time to wrap up. And so I'm going to end with just a couple (laughs) of quick questions and I'm going to try to um, ask each of my guests. And so for you, I just have a couple. The first one is, um, how do you recharge? And the reason I'm asking that question is just um, because fighting for joy, I mean, it can be hard work and it can be tiring. And um, so I'm just um, wondering if you could... Share some ideas of what restores you and helps you press on.
1: Yeah, I'm um, I'm learning so much about this mm-hmm. still about myself and what works for me. I think I definitely love to be outside. I don't always make enough time for it, but I find that if I really just take a walk or go out in the woods, I love to be in the woods. We live in an area where there's some really beautiful trails and easily accessible things like that. I mm-hmm. love to be in the woods with my dog. Cause mm-hmm. he is like just so simple and happy out there. Yeah. Like I love it. Reminds me of just, I don't know. And something about trees, like their depth of their roots and the heights reaching up to the skies. It just, I've had moments of kind of fleeing to the woods in a state of panic or worry about something going on with one of my kids or not knowing where to turn and just knowing I need to clear my head. And I just look up and realize. Oh God's holding all mm. of this. Like mm. it's again one of those weird mystical moments where I'm like, God just showed me that, like, yeah, like that song. He's got the whole world in his hands. I'm like, he's he's mm. holding our planet. He can figure yes. this out. Yeah, just seeing the bigness.
0: Yeah, the bigness of so, God.
1: I mean, that's one thing. I've also just kind of, in the last couple of years, incorporated yoga into my life in a different mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. and more regularly, and and in a more like not just for the stretching and the exercise, but for what I'm learning about um, like meditation. And I know that can sound scary to some Christians, but it just is teaching me space in my brain, Mm -hmm. a little space between my emotions and my thoughts. And I've never had before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They've always been so closely linked. And Mm -hmm. so creating like a pause in there. To begin to notice what's churning inside of me before I verbalize it or run with it in my mind, it's helped me in that. Just this practice of setting aside a little bit of time to go through these physical movements and also just to consider you know this idea of like how how am i being in the world mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. i pray god into that space a lot with me and talk to him a lot through mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. i just i've have, have noticed over the time that i've done it that i am gaining in a little bit of peace, Hmm. (laughs) not, not every moment of every day, but like, I think I'm gaining something through this that is a new skill, like
0: a Mm -hmm. new tool Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. I love it. And I've seen that in you too. I can see how it's helping you and, um, growing you and, um, you inspire me in that way too. So I love it. Love it. Um, well, one of the things we do, um, sometimes on Voxer is we'll share things that we're loving right now and just kind of share ideas and products and, um, and random things, so um, to kind of tie it into the theme of fighting for joy, um, I'll just ask it kind of like this, what are some um, simple joys that you're loving right now, and you know it can be anything, so what are a couple things that you're loving right now?
1: Okay, Um, I don't know if this will be for everybody, probably not, (laughs) but... (laughs) Uh-oh. <laughs> I love, well, okay. I love John Mayer. Our family loves John Mayer. Mm-hmm. We listen to a lot of his music. Mm-hmm. He is so funny on Instagram,
0: oh, like funny. On his
1: think. Instagram stories. And I don't know if this is going to shift. My kids started following him first because I typically follow celebrities. Um, but they would like show me a story or something. He's just got this incredibly random, sense of humor and mm-hmm. I I just I find it hilarious. So That's he funny. Okay, makes me laugh check and it I, out. I like him. Okay. So um I also am loving essential oils in a certain way. So I'm not the kind of person who has figured out how to use them as if they're an apothecary and treat things with it. But I love a diffuser <laughs> and I like yeah. using I like how they smell and they do kind of calm me down, you know, mm-hmm. make me feel cozier. So I have like a diffuser in my kitchen and I will often do like some, I have like a seasonal blend of things that smells like fall, right?
0: Oh, I know? love it.
1: And then, yeah. So, um, and then I have one on my bedroom and I always do a mix of lavender, peppermint, and lemon in my bedroom mm. that I was told was like an allergy blend, but I just think it smells really good.
0: <laughs> I it's love it. nice. <laughs> I love it. I've been yeah. loving oils too. And it is, it, they're calming and I love them too. Yeah,
1: Just kind of cozy. Yeah. Um, and then one other thing I wanted to tell yeah. you that I just discovered, and I bet, I wonder if you've already heard of this, but I was at this training and one of the women who was giving a devotional, who I really love her, she's been um, a teacher and a mentor was sharing from a translation called the voice.
0: Hmm. Have you no, ever I heard of that? I haven't.
1: I think it is, legit. Translation <laughs> is Bible. <laughs> I'm not spreading something. That's not good. I trust her so implicitly. Um, and it is, it's published by Thomas Nelson, but it's on the spine of it. So it's called the voice. It, it's almost like the message, okay? but it's more verse by verse. And, um, it says on it, the voice is a trustworthy Bible translation that reads like a novel. Hmm, And it's awesome because it is like, it's giving me fresh eyes for stories that are familiar. And, um, she read from like John, the gospel of John. And I was thinking of you even this morning as I was, I decided to just kind of start rereading through that again. Mm -hmm. And in terms of like, just the content of what you're sharing here, the way that he that, that this is like translated, so like John 1
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, at the very beginning. So this is like a f- that familiar passage, like in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. And But in here it says the celestial word remained ever present with the creator. His speech shaped the entire cosmos. Immersed in the practice of creating, all things that exist were birthed in him. His breath filled all things with a living, breathing light. A light that thrives in the depths of darkness blazes through murky bottoms. It cannot and will not be quenched. And I just like, I haven't read it like that before. Yeah,
0: that's beautiful.
1: And that idea, like a light that just thrives in darkness
0: mm-hmm. and
1: blazes through mm-hmm. and won't mm-hmm. be quenched. You know, yeah. Yeah. I just, I loved it. So anyway, I recommend it. It was like fourteen ninety five on Amazon paperback. I
0: love it. It's probably Novel similar version. Like to the message where I remember asking my pastor one time, you know, like, what do you think about the message? And just, and he said, well, it's just a good supplement. Like you do want, you know, a kind of a a mainstream ESV or, you know, whatever type Bible, but then, you know, the message and it sounds like the voice is like that too. It just adds like a different depth and beauty and just bring, yeah, new eyes to kind of hear the same thing that we might be um, used to hearing. So I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Thanks again for doing this with me, Kath. And um, oh, thanks, Joe. Just um, now, I feel
1: like when we're done, I want to call you back. I know Kath we'll
0: have more. to.
1: <laughs> 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 it's like I know. This so so
0: <laughs> Well, no, you just, I'm just, you've. Thank you for loving me well in grief, and just oh, you've taught me so, so much. much about just what grace-filled friendship looks like. And I remember there was a time I don't even know if you remember this story, but I remember there was a time where we hadn't talked in a while. It was a number of number of years ago, and we'd kind of gotten into just a season of busyness and hadn't really been in touch much. And I remember calling and just being like, Kath, I'm so sorry. I haven't talked to you and called you. And I just kind of beat myself up a little bit. And you were like, "Jody, don't ever do that again. The phone is two ways. <laughs> like we are both in this together. We're going to get back on track. Like, I love you. You love me. Let's we're Let's just press on. Don't ever apologize. You can't carry the weight of trying to carry on this friendship. This is two ways. And I just remember feeling like, okay, this is how I know this friendship is going to go the distance and we're going to be in this for the long haul because it's, we work hard at our friendship, but it's also easy and the expectations are realistic and grace-filled. And, um, I just can't imagine walking through life without you, Kath. I just, I've learned
1: so much from you. I feel like, uh, it's like, you feel like family to me now. Like I don't, I just don't have to question. And I haven't, I mean, I've had that you have felt like that to me for, as long as I remember.
0: Since people <laughs> Honestly, thought we were like sisters. I, I feel
1: like that from the beginning and I'm I grateful for it. Me I too. Really and I have learned so much from you, from your, you know, you really have been working through this process and you've shared what you've been learning through your own life experiences, through what you've learned from counseling. And there are so many nuggets that I have put away of truth that you have been so generous to share and mm. so um, I'm just so glad you're doing this because I know how much how much it's gonna help people. Mm. One of my favorite things that you've said and I tell people this all the time, but it's helped me a lot um, and it's related to grief but it's also related to marriage I think it goes beyond but I remember you saying as you and Eric were, processing differently mm-hmm. that your counselor had said to you, if it's good for one of, well, you, the way you phrase it was, if it's good for one of us, it's good for both of us. Mm-hmm. It was like that push pull of like, well, yeah. How do you fight for joy? If one of you is ready to grasp a, a happy moment and the other one's not, or, you know, how do you do that? And
0: yeah that yeah. what you
1: were finding was that symbiotic thing of that in those moments where you got pulled out to a space you weren't ready for, didn't think you were ready for, how God used that in healing you. Yeah. And when you sat back and stayed sad and lived in that and were honest about that and needed that time and space and Eric wasn't wanting to slow down, you know, and Mm -hmm. I mean, this is Mm -hmm. your story, not mine. Sorry, but (laughs) I just watched that and thought, that is so beautiful and that is so true and how if we let that happen in marriage and in other relationships that is how God brings healing you know a lot of times it's through I had those mystical moments I described where God did it mm-hmm. but more often than not he does it with people you yeah, know
0: yeah he we, does it
1: through people through yeah. friendships through marriage through pastors and yeah. counselors and
0: yeah yeah so. we can practically anyway. practically show the love of Christ through our friendship and our marriage and spurring each other on. And you're right. Just pointing each other towards healing in whatever way, um, works for, for each individual person and how that ultimately helps us as a unit as well. So yeah, for sure. in marriage, but also friendship and and families. Yeah. So I've experienced
1: that through you. Like I brought this, you know, this hard, hard thing into your life and it has, and, and through it, I've continued experience healing in the wounds in my own heart as I yeah. had the privilege of being near you and
0: with you and sitting with you and learning as you're learning so yeah thank you so much for listening today I would love for you to find me on social media you can connect with me and others who are listening by finding my fighting for joy podcast page on either facebook or instagram you can also reach me at fighting for at gmail.com podcasts have been such a lifeline for me these past few years in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you.